Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Honestly, I don't even care what happens the rest of the card. Larry Nance Jr. is in protocols and my life is now a mess. Ah, whatever. (laughs) I'm fully aware that far more important players, from a fantasy perspective, whatever perspective, have hit protocols this year, but that's something that just hit me right in the heart when Nance got caught. And it's not as though I didn't think it was bound to happen. Everybody's going in. Everybody gets their turn. The whole thing just makes me kind of sad. But it'll be all right. Uh, Of course, the, the... Big winner there is is Rob Covington because there really aren't many other options at power forward now. The uh, other piece of... I mean, there's plenty of injury and protocol and whatever news, but the one that certainly caught our eye on this podcast, largely because we have so many Jimmy Butlers, is that the initial report, while also noting that he is out for the Heat's next ballgame, suggests that they expect to have him back potentially as early as the weekend, although Miami has a really light schedule coming up over the next week or so. So even if he has to miss one or two games, that might buy him seven, eight days of rest to get that ankle right and uh, try to power on into the future here. But those are the two that caught my eye because uh, Lord knows we have Larry Nance anywhere we could pick him up. We have Jimmy Butler anywhere we could draft him You know, early in the second round, middle of the second round, is just this colossal per-game value guy. And uh, that's been waylaid a bit by Butler being hurt the whole dang time. As far as the Tuesday results are concerned, you had only five games on the card, so I, I, I don't know that I've necessarily promised you guys a strategy deep dive today, but it certainly is the day to, to get into it. I don't have anything planned, though, so my thought here is let's start working our way through the Tuesday card, and if something catches our eye on the way, we'll drop into a bit of a deeper dive on it. How about that? Sound good? Great. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris. Thanks so much for tuning in, spending part of your Wednesday with us. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, and this, of course, is a Sports Ethos presentation that is Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, or just go to sportsethos.com. First one on the docket from Tuesday's short card. Toronto beat the daylights out of San Antonio. This game was close for about 20 minutes or so, and then Freddie Van Vliet handled things by himself from that point on. He got plenty of help, actually, over the ball game overall, but uh, Freddie was amazing. 33 points, 7 assists, 7 three-pointers. He's been on a vicious tear. And Van Vliet now, believe it or not, in nine cat, is the number seven player on a per-game basis. His big season was one of the easiest things to predict in fantasy. I don't think many of us thought he was going to get this high, but we're talking about a dude who was already second round last year when Kyle Lowry was still around. And now you're like, okay, by the way, the team is yours, Fred have as much usage as you could possibly want, and he has enjoyed doing so. He's right up there with Jimmy Butler, but he's played eight more ballgames. He's ahead of James Harden right now on some sites, depending on how they're calculating their numbers. This is 9-cat, of course. Harden 
4.9 turnovers, Van Vliet 2.8, but dang. And the really amazing part is that, I don't want to say Freddie got off to a slow start, but, you know, he was like in the 20s. He actually started off in the in the 30s and 40s for a little bit, but he very quickly found his way back to that second-round valuation. Over the last month, there is only one player in the NBA with a better per-game marker than Van Vliet right now, and that guy is LeBron James, who's been unbelievable. He's ahead of Joel Embiid, ahead of Trey Young, ahead of Kevin Durant, ahead of Nikola Jokic over that stretch. Steph has been oddly human, number 19 over the last month. Yeah, Freddie Van Vliet, number two in that stretch. It's a little bit of a sell-high moment for Van Vliet, 19 shots per game during that stretch. That's a number that he'll hit from time to time. He took 23 shots in this one, but he's got his teammates back. The Raptors are effectively healthy again. And, of course, that now gave us a look at what they really want to do with their personnel. This is a pretty, this is a nice opportunity to see it. So a lot of Van Vliet, a lot of Scotty Barnes, a lot of Gary Trent, a lot of OG Ananobi, and a decent amount of Pascal Siakam. Those main five guys are really easy starts in fantasy. They've all putting up good numbers this year. And then you look around, you're like, okay, well, what else might be out there? Chris Boucher got 19 minutes, which puts him real close to having fantasy value. Real close. 4.7 boards, two steals, two blocks. Missed a couple of free throws that kind of brought the overall thing down. The problem, of course, is that we, we started to get used to him playing a ridiculous number of minutes when everybody was hurt, and you knew that was coming down. The question was how much. But if he can stick in there in the 20 range, uh, that probably is enough to get it done. So you're not dropping him yet. I know that this ball game was a little bit of a letdown from that perspective, and all along, we said there's like a 5% chance that he actually does enough to have fantasy value after everybody comes back. But we're right on the cusp of being near that 5%, which is uh, my uncle one time. We were in Vegas. I, was, uh, I had recently turned 21, so I was just kind of... I mean, I'd been in, in sports betting a little bit. But I was just kind of starting to get into it a bit more. And we had a game where we were up like 25 in the third quarter. And I looked at him, and I... I you know, it kind of gave the wink, like, we can't really say anything about it, right? And his, what he said back to me was, no, Danny, it's almost a semi-lock. Almost a semi-lock. It's the ultimate in, we don't want to jinx anything. Um, so Chris Boucher, at 20 minutes, is almost a semi-lock. Will he get to 20 minutes? We don't know. But you got to hang on to see what happens here. Because we've now hit that part of the season. I keep talking about it. Uh, every show for like the last five or six now, I've talked about how we are at the point when guys are coming out of protocols. And I know I started the show by talking about Larry Nance, but we're at the part where guys are coming out of protocols faster than they're going in, which means we need to start hunting for rest of season valuation guys. And Boucher, if he lands, would be one of those guys. The problem, of course, is that Ken Birch played 19 minutes, Precious Achua played 19 minutes. That's kind of too many guys playing 19 minutes, isn't it? Ah, well. We'll feel it out. Spurs side, uh, DeJounte Murray is close. I believe he's expected back for their next ball game. He's out of protocols, just getting his wind back. So that's going to change things considerably because, unfortunately, they're just not very good without DeJounte Murray. 
Devin Vassell got off to a quick start in this game and then slowed down midway through. He's still a guy that, again, you're hunting for rest-of-season stuff. He should make some kind of list for you. I don't know if it's the short list necessarily, but it is a list. No rant required on that ball game. We'll see if we get anything in the next one. Memphis beat Cleveland on the road. This is a fun ball game. Ja was solid again. Desmond Bain didn't score as well in this ball game, but did a bunch of other stuff. He's just on a serious roll of a season now. And the guy that I think deserves some attention is Brandon Clark. Mentioned him in passing, I think, two days ago on the podcast. There just aren't enough power forwards on this roster right now. JJJ's kind of the last one left. They want him logging a decent chunk of minutes at the center position, which leaves really nobody because Xavier Tillman's out. Slow-mo is out. John Conchar is out. When Dylan Brooks comes back, they might start sliding guys up a little bit, maybe have him play kind of a small power forward spot, and that might be soon. De'Anthony Melton, I don't think, has quite the same impact on, on Brandon Clark. It's possible that Dylan Brooks's return pushes Zaire Williams back to kind of a zero. Santi Aldama pushes that back down to a zero. Killian Tilly, who was starting, maybe he moves back towards a zero. So maybe the minutes don't come from Brandon Clark. And what I would say certainly is on the head-to-head side, you probably don't make that pickup because there's really nothing guaranteed about what Brandon is doing. But he's had really two, three good games in a row, and they've corresponded to having all of these power forwards out. We've known it for two years. If Clark can get up to 24 minutes, he is absolutely worth grabbing in fantasy because of the really nice field goal percent, the defensive stats. He could do some rebounding out there. Doesn't step out too much, but, you know, we'll get a three ball once in a blue moon. Roto side, probably worth exploring a little bit. So remember I was talking on yesterday's show how I had this list of players that I was searching in my fantasy leagues to see if they were on teams, to see if anybody was making moves on them. Brandon Clark is a guy who's not added on many teams. His, his roster ship has gone up because he's now had three good games in a row. But I think everybody is aware that his numbers are about to trend back down. Still, uh, Memphis plays again tomorrow. You know, they're not off for very long. They're actually in a stretch of five games in seven nights. So on the chance that folks hang in protocols a little bit longer. Clark might have a game or two left in the tank. And as we've talked about before, if you can squeeze, because when he's getting 25 minutes, he's a top 75 guy. That's just the kind of game you want to put at the end of your bench in a roto league. Of course, as guys come back, you know, when the team gets fully healthy, he's going back to 15, 17, 18 minutes a game. I don't know how many guys need to come back to push him down to that mark, but right now he's at 25, and that is more than enough in kind of the same Chris Boucher mold. And maybe the question comes up then, who would you rather have between the two of those guys? Probably Boucher, which is funny because for the next three days, Brandon Clark is the better fantasy player. But after that, I don't think there's any chance. I think it's zero that Brandon Clark holds fantasy value in 12-teamers after that after guys come back, whereas Boucher, there is a uh, very small, as we talked about before, 5% chance that he actually does continue to have fantasy value even after the team gets healthy. That's the thought process. You guys come with me on this weird journey every day. Uh, Cleveland side, 
Darius Garland back and made an immediate impact. Couldn't get the shots to drop the way he might normally want to, but hard to complain about 27 and 10. Kevin Love just still doing it off the bench. Larry Markkinen has started to trend back in the right direction a little bit lately. Still can't really get shots to fall this season. Field goal percent extraordinarily low. I've been seeing him getting dropped in some spots. He really profiles more as a guy to bench when he was ice cold because we saw early in the season he was ice cold and he was kind of in that top 110 range. As he started to get shots to fall, he moved up into the 60 range, and then he went into a deep slumber of late. And it almost feels like, and you see this sometimes, like, oh, well, everybody's out, so surely a guy like Markinen is going to get things cooking a little bit. He actually seems to feed off of better point guard play. Get Darius Garland back in there, and Markinen has had a chance to kind of get some better looks. And you saw it here. Better in this game. Better looks. Better shot selection. I don't know what the hell is going on with Kevin Love. We've been talking about him for a month and a half on the podcast, but, uh, I mean, he's a guy that you can start in all formats right now, even as they're getting healthy. His minutes continue to trend up. It seems like he's kind of playing himself into a certain level of conditioning. I, I mean, I'm blown away and also feeling very fortunate that I picked him up in a few spots where I was kind of punting bigs, so he made a really good fit on those teams. Big man doesn't shoot the ball all that well, but nails three pointers and hits free throws. And now it's panned out. Go figure. Good to have Jared Allen back, too. No big rants on that ball game either, unless you consider the Clark versus Boucher, how to grade out how much uh, a stream is worth versus a flyer. That's really what that is, stream versus flyer. Before we get to game number three from Tuesday night, I'm going to continue... To ask you all humbly to check out our buddies at ThriveFantasy.com. Prop up. Download the app, Thrive Fantasy app, on the Apple Store or Android devices. They got it for both. And then, or if you like, go to ThriveFantasy.com. Either way, works totally fine. Same product at both. And use promo code ETHOS when you sign up. E-T-H-O-S. E-T-H-O-S. ETHOS. 100% deposit match up to $100 on your first deposit. And, depending on how much you drop into your bucket, you get some free contest entry vouchers as well. If you put just $10 in, I've told you this so many times already, but I'm going to do it again. Take $10 that you've been winning with us at MyBookie, or hell, even if you haven't been doing the MyBookie stuff with us, just take $10 Cook yourself a lunch one night instead of eating out. Save $10 there and drop it into Thrive Fantasy. Make a new account. Deposit $10. They'll give you an extra $10 and two contest entry vouchers. So you'll end up with $60 in playing credits on a $10 deposit. Basically, again, making yourself a lunch instead of ordering fast food. That's what that is. Make yourself tea or coffee for two days and you can play with us at ThriveFantasy.com. And all you have to do is know what the big-name players are going to do on a given night. Did you think Freddie Van Vliet was going to go crazy? Great. You could have bet on that. Did you think John Morant was going to go for 26, or do you think he was going to go for 42? You can also kind of go against the grain on some of these prop bets on the side. You get more points if you go against the grain, and it hits. Rack up points by getting 10 out of the 20 prop bets right and win cash with ThriveFantasy.com. They've taken DFS, and they've made it 
fun for those of us who are not experts at traditional DFS. And I know you guys, you guys are full season fantasy players that listen to this podcast. So this makes a lot more sense to you and to those of us, myself included, even farther on the degenerate scale, the needle redlining a little bit. We get into the gambling side of things. Prop bets, that's all part of it. This is an opportunity to kind of lump prop bets together where one prop on your night doesn't make or break your betting card. This time, you got 10. ThriveFantasy.com, the Thrive Fantasy app, promo code once again, ethos, E-T-H-O-A-S-S. Check it out immediately. Indiana lost at New York, but no real surprise there. Indiana's down a few bodies. Karis LeVert, Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon's still out. He's been gone for feels like decades at this point. Demonis Sabonis had an off game, and so then they pretty much had no choice, despite the fact that Kiefer Sykes, who had 22 points for Indiana, uh, Justin Holiday was in foul trouble. He ended up having a terrible ball game. Miles Turner didn't do anything. Like, the mere fact that they were within striking distance is a damn miracle. I honestly don't have any idea how they were within striking distance because the Knicks bludgeoned them in pretty much every single category. Out-rebounded the Pacers by 16. Outshot them 49 to 42%. One fewer turnover than the Pacers. Indiana shot 32 free throws but couldn't make any of them. Demonis Sabonis in particular just had the worst dang ball game. But who cares about Indiana? You're not taking the plunge on most of these guys. They're into the backups to the backups to the backups. And sadly, those guys just don't have a ton of fantasy ability, especially against a team that can play some defense like New York. On the Knicks side, however, I believe if I, uh, if I was reading the news properly, they are actually fully COVID-free at this point. They're fully out of protocols. Pretty remarkable. I also saw a chart. Noting, by the way, Joe Ingles is in protocols. He's the first Utah Jazz player to miss a game because of it. Some of these teams have guys miss 65 team games at this point. What's up, little man? That's my boy on the pod. Uh, Knicks are healthy again, except for Kemba's knee. Uh, And Nerland's Noel, actually, also dealing with a traditional injury. So what does this mean fantasies-wise? Well, R.J. Barrett had a rare big game. He's a points league option. Julius Randle had a, a better ball game. He's been a bit of a disappointment overall, but those guys, they are what they are. With Kemba out, Alec Burks has slid back into the starting five, and if he's starting, he's a go. Pick him back up, ride him until whatever we figure out happens with Kemba happens with Kemba. Emmanuel quickly, as I warned you all, is not really particularly well-suited for uh, nine-category basketball. And I don't think anybody believed me. Now, nah, folks are believing me now. Quickly's not a guy you need to add. Mitchell Robinson came off the bench for this one, but he played 25 minutes to Tosh Gibson's 23. And I think as he gets his wind back, he'll probably get the lion's share of those center minutes. So add him if he was dropped or just start him if you had him on your bench. But really, the, the big flip here is that with Kemba's knee, and, and they uh, apparently the knee stuff came back relatively clean for Walker, whatever that means. But it's a knee thing that's been getting worse for, I mean, we're talking about forever at this point now. So, I, you know, I don't know how... <sighs> I want to say hold on to him in Roto, because if he comes back 
and gets his starting position back and plays 34, 35 minutes a game, we saw a really nice stretch for him. Unfortunately, I just I don't know how he stays healthy playing that many minutes. And you also saw that he pretty much ran out of gas after like two big ball games. So the case for Kemba is kind of weak right now. Like, let me walk you through the thought process on this one. For Walker, let's say, let's say you have him, and he comes back and he has a couple good games, and then he either gets hurt again, or he goes passive for a couple of weeks because perhaps the knee isn't fully there, or whatever. You're probably going to end up mostly frustrated. What about the other side? Let's say you drop Kemba for one of these rest-of-season guys we've been talking about or a really hot streamer option. You're going to see that big ball game he puts up when he comes back and his knee is feeling better, and you're going to be frustrated because you didn't have that. I don't know that there's a perfect solution to this issue because you either hold him until he comes back and hopefully you get one or two big ball games before problems crop back up again, but we don't know how long it's going to be until he comes back from his injury. And then beyond that, we don't know if he's even really going to be that good when he comes back from his injury. You know, there's all these weird mitigating factors. A best case scenario for Kemba is that he comes back and he looks really good for a little bit, and then he ends up banged up again. A worst case scenario is that it takes him weeks to come back, and then he's just not himself. I don't think that this is a good enough situation to warrant the hold. I think you can drop Kemba which I know sucks because he looked really amazing when everybody was hurt for that week. But I think you can drop him, and I think you can use that roster spot on something a little bit more sure-footed. And certainly the first thing I would do is make sure you have Alec Burks because that worst case we talked about with Kemba would mean that Burks then ends up having two or three weeks where he's kicking butt in the starting lineup. And then you kind of wait and see what the hell happens after that, after Kemba comes back, and make your call thereafter. That's not to say you have to, first thing you need to do is just dump Kemba without a second thought. I mean, make sure that whatever you're doing here has a purpose. Like, if you're not in any games cap issue in Roto, you could have him. Uh, If you're in head-to-head and you can put him in an injured spot, okay, that's another thing that makes a lot of sense, blah, blah, blah. Make your call from there. Everything, every situation is a little bit different. Very long-winded way of saying, add Alec Burks. (laughs) Dan, how are you going to stretch a five-card podcast into a 30-minute show? Talk about Kemba Walker, and then at the end, just say nothing. Phoenix beat New Orleans 123-110. I tell you, there's nothing like being a center alongside Chris Paul. Because Chris Paul has made Jalen Smith and Bismack Biombo look like world beaters over the last couple of ball games. That is ridiculous. Man, it pays to have... Good passing on your team. Chris Paul had 15 assists in this game, and obviously teams are picking on New Orleans defense, but whew, the Cam Johnson stream is strong as long as Jay Crowder is out. Jalen Smith had himself some foul issues. He got popped in the face by uh, Jonas Valanciunas' forearm at one point in this ballgame, etc., etc. Mikael Bridges, a nice one. That's good to see. There are no massive surprises with Phoenix. I think you could start Jalen Smith as long as McGee and Aiton are out. 
unless they flip and say they're starting Biombo, in which case you should do the same thing. But that would be, I think, somewhat surprising. Whatever. The more interesting side of this ballgame is uh, certainly the New Orleans side. Devontae Graham had 28 points and 6 assists. That is a sell moment, to be sure, if you had him on your team. This is a guy that's been trending back down as his team's been getting healthy. I don't think I need to convince anyone that Devontae Graham is not here to stay. Josh Hart rolling along, JV rolling along, Brandon Ingram uh, ice cold, but he'll certainly be better than this most ball games. Herb Jones is the one that I think we need to talk about pretty much any time that New Orleans plays a ball game because you know it's this, it's this Denny Avdia thing going on in Washington as well. When teams are finding guys that are lockdown defenders in the modern NBA, they now have a role again because defenders have been given a little bit of extra leeway this offseason. The NBA tipped the needle a little bit back towards defensive players, so now all of a sudden it's like, okay, if you can find someone that can make an impact on that side, they're just going to get minutes. They're going to get shoehorned into minutes somehow. What I mentioned, I think it was two days ago on the pod, is that my fear with Herb is that his usage will just be so painfully low that it actually kind of won't matter how good he's playing on defense if he can't be a part of stuff on offense. 9-4-5, and five, a steal, and two blocks is more than enough. That's a really nice fantasy line. That makes the, the, the roto parts of me tingle with glee. And so I suppose, honest to goodness, I can't remember what I said two days ago, but I suppose if you have the spot open... Just pick him up and kind of see what happens. That is to say, if, if his offensive game develops a little bit, or if Graham gets hurt, or JV gets hurt, or Ingram in particular, if he goes down, maybe there's a little bit of wiggle room there. Now, if Zion ever shows up, the whole thing gets blown to smithereens, because then he ends up starting at power forward, that pushes Brandon Ingram down to small forward, and Herb doesn't get to start anymore. We have no idea what the deal is with Zion. It could be uh, uh, three weeks. It could be two months. It could be never. All that, again, sort of long-winded version of saying, when you find a guy who's likely to get playing time, even if you don't fully trust his fantasy game, if you see the outlines of it, and if the defensive stats continue to be solid, as they have been for him, you just kind of have to cross your fingers and hope that enough offense rebounds just sort of like falling into a couple of assists that will take place, and that'll be enough. I don't know that there's a truckload of upside here with him simply because he's not going to take almost any shots per ballgame. So all of the upside is in defensive stats. So, you know, two or three games, if he doesn't get three of them, then the whole thing comes crashing down. But again, this is where we need to start looking for those potential rest-of-season contributors and he could be one of them, or at least he could be, you know, a month, month and a half, something like that. That's longer than a traditional stream. I hope I'm making very clear what has now started to take place in my fantasy teams, which is basically, I've started, that's not to say that, you know, we're keeping an eye on guys like Jalen Smith, that's a, a streamer fill-in, and at the Knicks, when guys get hurt, you pick in the fill-in guy. But as this COVID in, in the world... In the world in the u.s the covid wave is really just getting near the peak in the nba we're past it 
I don't know how the NBA like hit the 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 curve their own COVID curve early before everyone else had the Omicron push, or if it's that you know they made this massive effort to get everybody boosted. But they've put a bit of a lid on it in a way that the rest of society hasn't yet. So we need to be looking for those rest-of-season guys, and that's why I'm focusing so hard on guys with longer outlooks. Herb Jones as a maybe. Chris Boucher as a maybe. Alec Burks as a what-the-hell's-going-on-with-Kemba-Walker kind of guy. And, you know, that one's an obvious one. And then Brandon Clark is the short one. Brandon Clark is the, okay, maybe we don't, if you don't want to take the, the high-floor, low-ceiling look at Herb Jones, play Brandon Clark for three games or however long you get out of him here. Hey, our buddies over at expressvpn.com want to make sure you check out everything that they're doing over there because you can get 15 months for the price of 12 by going to expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Our old name, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. 15 months for the price of 12 Protect your privacy with ExpressVPN. I believe that the folks over ExpressVPN who want me to tell you about protecting your privacy are underestimating how important League Pass is to my listeners. It's freaking important to me. I'm fortunate that I have uh, Spectrum Sportsnet or whatever the hell they call the Lakers network here. So I can see the local games. I have Spectrum. But there, I mean, how many years have people not been able to see the Dodgers in L.A.? who don't have Spectrum. This is a real problem in the sports world, being in a home city and not being able to see the home team play because you got the wrong cable that you're still paying like $200 a month for or something dumb like that. Don't let these places take advantage of you. Don't let blackout rules take advantage of you. If you're paying for something, you should get to see it. Paying for League Pass and then being blacked out of a team that you can't get in your own market nonsense expressvpn can fix that it's the number one rated vpn on the market uh and it's so easy you just turn on the program hit the go button and you're all set you can be anywhere you want where would you want to be i'm turning to my wife where would you want to be if you could be anywhere in the world right now she panicked she panicked she couldn't even stop talking you've ruined the whole bit uh i would want to be my wife wants to be in Wyoming, which, terrific. You can be in Wyoming using ExpressVPN, and in Wyoming you can literally watch any uh, major team play. Although, I don't know, maybe they're blacked out on Utah Jazz games. Hey, any of my listeners in Wyoming, let me know if you ever run into any league pass issues. But anyway, ExpressVPN.com, 15 months for the price of 12. Uh, the promo code, once again, is, not, is an actual link. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. That was silliness. That's okay. Silliness is good. Last game on the card from Tuesday, Lakers-Kings. The Lakers starting to actually beat the teams they're supposed to beat. This was a fun ball game, though. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch any of it. Uh, It was on NBA TV. We had it locally here in Los Angeles, and I'm sure folks in Northern California had it locally as well. Uh, Shootout, man. This was a shootout at the OK Corral. Buddy Heald and LeBron James just trading three-pointers down the stretch. Malik Monk was awesome again. I'll tell you what, that's one of our better in-season calls so far. And I know Malik is not going to be getting 15 shots a game when Anthony Davis comes back, because THT's not going to get 13. Dwight Howard had a dozen yesterday, although a lot of those were dunks and putbacks, so that's 
pretty much what you want out of Dwight. Uh, the main point that I wanted to make on this team, first of all, we've seen Carmelo. His job decreased with Trevor Ariza background. If Melo's not lava hot, he's going to lose playing time because defensively, he's a disaster. Missed assignments on almost every pick and roll he's involved in. Uh, but when he gets hot, he's quite useful. And you saw a few of those little ISO step backs in the fourth quarter. Those were big shots from Melo. But he's not going to have fantasy value as long as Ariza's back around, at least not consistently. This was a big one for THT. He had confidence in this game. And I, I can't help but wonder if this might not be the start of a little run for Horton Tucker. Not to say that you need to pick him up anywhere. Certainly not everywhere. And definitely not any one particular place. But without looking ahead too much at what the, the Lakers schedule might appear to be. In fact, we can do that while I'm talking for you guys. Uh, they actually have a pretty light schedule coming up. They play uh, Friday. Sunday, and then they've got two days off and then a game and then another two days off. So Lakers, from a scheduling standpoint, are not a very good team to have players on right now. The only reason you're utilizing them is if guys that are way above the cut line, which is obviously LeBron, who's the number one player in fantasy right now. Uh, Russ, who you shouldn't have drafted, but again, if you did, you're stuck. And uh, Malik Monk is well above the cut line right now. I do think that whenever Kendrick Nunn or Anthony Davis comes back, that probably pushes Monk far enough down the board, even if he keeps starting for a while. Because uh, you could see the team shuttle kind of everybody across the board. Ariza started yesterday's game with Stanley Johnson's 10-day contract expiring. I got to think they're going to actually bring Stanley back. But when AD comes around, that's the guy who gets moved out of the starting lineup. LeBron moves down to the power forward spot. And right now, that would leave Malik Monk in the starting five because they need that floor spacing. They need the offense, especially as if you bring AD back, who's one of the better defenders in the NBA when he's, when he's trying. So whatever that is, three weeks, four weeks, we're getting a good run here out of Monk. And that was kind of what we were talking about last week when he had that first good game. And it wasn't a massive game, but it was a good one. And you could see it. When the Lakers went small, just the, the eye test was different. They were open. They were getting open looks, and Monk hits those, where a lot of other guys on this team don't necessarily hit those. Uh, Kingside, when Buddy Heald gets hot, Buddy Heald gets hot, man. He's been good uh, lately. This is very much a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of game we play in fantasy, and over the last month, Heald is inside the top 90. Uh, so that makes him a guy that... Needs to be started. Kings are pretty much back at full strength. You know, the funny thing about Heald is his value does fluctuate pretty violently with his field goal percent. Over the last two weeks, he's shooting just 38% from the floor, and he's outside the top 140. We talked about over the last month. Over the last week, he's shooting 44%, and he's right around the edge of the top 100. Blah, 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 so on and so forth. Um, he does belong on fantasy teams. He's a hard player for me to say definitively, you start him every game, uh, but when he's warm, you're going to want to make sure he's in there, and then, so it's it's kind of that old Danny Green adage, which is like, you start him every game, and then at the end of it, you look back, and you're like, okay, he was top 90, that'll do, that'll do. Harrison Barnes is a start, Darren Fox is a start, we even talked about that uh, over the last week, he hasn't been good, but you have to start him, because he will get going to some degree, and he was better in this ball game. Halliburton slowed down. Like, he just kind of had trouble with whatever it is the Lakers were doing. I don't 
I didn't fully understand it. He just seemed kind of passive. And then I do believe Damian Jones is worth starting as long as Rashawn Holmes is out. He was quieter in this one. It was certainly a tougher matchup going against LeBron. (laughs) That's not the guy you think you're going to get as the center on a team, but, you know, that's how it was. And, uh, yeah, Marvin Bagley got a start. Forced the Lakers actually to go a little bit bigger. That's why Dwight ended up playing 21 uh, very solid minutes. But you just sort of don't know. You know, the Lakers have Atlanta next. Clint Capella is out there for the Hawks. He's a a traditional big man who's going to be right around the rim. The Lakers might have to play Dwight in that one as well. And then they've got Memphis, where the big man doesn't really have offensive ability in Steven Adams, so you might see them go back to being small again. Remember, the Lakers went pretty small against the Grizzlies on the road last week. Then Sacramento again, because these two teams play each other every three days. Apparently, this there's only four in a season, but it sure feels like about 15 uh, and then Denver, you know, you're going to need a big man in that one. You can't have LeBron on Jokic, can you? That's asking for trouble. Anywho, not many changes, if any, on this one. I think just sort of solidifying the Jones is streamable thing as long as Holmes is in uh, protocols, and he'll probably be in there for another one or two games, I would imagine. And then also kind of poo-pooing THT from a long-term standpoint. But I do think that could be the start of a little run for him. He just had a different bounce in his game last night. It's something that you just, you you have to watch. I know I did a show, whenever it was, way back about the, the value of the eye test. And some folks on Twitter were like, no, you can get everything from a box score. You sort of, you really can't get everything from a box score. I don't know that I need to go into too much excruciating, painstaking detail on this stuff again. But like, the Malik Monk thing, from last week, I think is a really good example of why the eye test is actually so important. When he came back and had 20 points that first game out of protocols, played 35 minutes against Brooklyn on Christmas Day, yes, without watching the game, you certainly could look at that and say, hey, this is a guy that I should consider picking up. But I'll tell you, I think there were probably a lot of skeptics after that game, myself included, who then watched the Lakers game in Houston and saw the way they had retooled their small ball lineup. And in that one game, you could see that Monk was the perfect fit with that unit. And that was all I needed there. And I get it. Again, if you picked him up after he scored 20 points in one game, and you're just like, okay, you know, I got roster spots to spare right now, then yeah, you didn't need to watch the game live. But I'm telling you, watching that Houston game, within the first seven minutes of the game, you could see, oh, this makes sense. The Lakers are going to keep doing this because this makes sense. And I know sometimes teams do dumb stuff that we feel doesn't really make sense. Like the Grizzlies are really good, but yet they still don't quite play D'Anthony Melton as much as we all believe that they should but most of the time when a team finds something that that works where there's just this massive change in the way things look and feel they'll stick with it now again monk not going to be a rest of season guy most likely as as the lakers get their anthony davis big gun back and and again if kendra nunn shows back up again but we're still talking about multiple weeks here. This is not just a stream anymore. This is like a, a chunk. We're chunking 
We're chunking off season. It's the value of watching the game. I, 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 I know that you guys are going to push back on me. Uh, push, uh, excuse me. Push back on this one with me. Get myself all flustered here on the podcast. There is an advantage to it. The ROI might not be that high. You could probably be pretty good at fantasy only watching box scores. I think so. I mean, if you were diligent enough and you checked everyone every single day, but there is another level you can get to where you can make sure your hit rate on in-season pickups and things of that nature is just a little bit better. It's had to go from being like 95th percentile to like 98th percentile. Yeah, their ROI isn't that great. Bumps you up from pretty much beating everybody to almost always beating everybody. You just you move yourself into that highest echelon. If you're watching all the games live and you're making all your pickups, you could probably be a fantasy analyst. Maybe you're just not very good at it, but generally if you're putting that much time into it, you probably could. So I, I guess that's a reasonable segue to say, look, if you want to be a fantasy analyst, we're always looking for entry-level spots here at Sports Ethos, especially as we pivot towards adding additional sports. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, if you'd like to get involved with us here at Sports Ethos. Learn how to be a fantasy analyst. We've got those trainee spots open. The editors teach you how to run a news feed. At Ethos Fantasy BK, best news feed in the business. You guys want to be a part of that? Why the hell not? Hit me up. Drop a five-star review on the pod if you haven't already. Big fat thank you to everybody that continues to listen here as we come looping up out of the holidays. It's rest of season time in fantasy. Streaming time starting to come to a close. Enjoy the fifth. So long.